Welcome back, everybody. Baruch Hashem. We kick off again. Let's hope, uh, with the help of Hashem, that Hashem will give us more reasons to give Shirim on topics of miracles, topics of wonders, topics of joy, as opposed to unfortunate events that are taking place at the moment. The subject of tonight's share are matzahs and vanquishing our enemies. So the instinctive reaction is that the only enemy that matzah really vanquishes is a person's got a tummy problem that keeps on going, right? Because the matzah will pull you together very quickly. But you don't really see matzah as anything more than that. People associate matzah as something that is going to be, you know, a central part of the Pesach Seder, but nothing more intrinsic. And in fact, matzah is one of the greatest mitzvahs. Positive mitzvahs that we have today, let's explain why. So if you start by imagining for a minute that you're sitting at the Seder table and everything is set so beautifully, everything is done so nicely, people are sitting, they're waiting, they know it's Seder night and the experience is a different experience and the atmosphere is a different atmosphere. And if you look at the table, you'll see the beautiful Seder plate with the moror and the, and the vegetable and you've got the egg and you've got the shank bone. And then there's something interesting. You've got your plate for the matzahs, but it's different to any other chag. Any other chag, we have two breads. On Saturday night, there are three. And that's very strange. Why specifically on Saturday night do we have three Dafka by the matzahs. So I'd like to suggest tonight an understanding that I think uh, could maybe relate to us today. Matzah really has three different aspects to it. The first aspect of matzah is that matzah is the bread of slaves. The Ibn Ezra writes that in his time about a thousand years ago, what was the staple food they gave to people in jail? They gave them matzah. Because it takes a while to digest. It's easy, simple that you give it, and that's all, and finished. So it's the bread of slaves, and it reminds us of what it means to be an avid slave. And by experiencing that, we appreciate the gift that Hashem gave us, known as our chayrus, our freedom. Then there's the second aspect of matzah, which is the matzah of freedom. Why is it a freedom? You just told me it's slaves. The answer is because this was the food that we left Mitzrayim with. We didn't have food when we left Mitzrayim. We didn't have fridges. We didn't have huge supplies. We weren't preparing like for a holiday. And we left with the mats in our hands. That was the object that we carried out when we left Mitzrayim. That was the food that we had. So it's also the mats of freedom, the mats of emancipation. So on the one hand, it reminds us of the slavery. On the other hand, it reminds us of the freedom. And therefore, when we eat our mats on Saturday night, what do we do? We recline. We have all our best things because we remind ourselves we like royalty before HaKadosh Baruch And then there's a third type of matzah. And that is the matzah of mitzvah. 
that this is a food that we're obligated to eat, which is interesting. Because if you look throughout our calendar today, the Chsam Sofa points out something surprising. There are times where we're obligated to eat bread. There are times obligated we should try and eat meat to have a meal. But is there any unique food that we specially have to eat? No, there's customs. We have lots of different customs. You know, Rosh Hashanah night, we have the apples and honey, and we have meat on the Yom Tov and cheesecake on Shavuos, but there's no obligation with that. Matzah is the one food that we've got to eat this food specifically as an obligation. So it's a, it's a food that's a food of mitzvah. Now, let's try and take a look at this now. In Egypt, we relived, experienced these three different types of matzahs. We were enslaved in Mitzrayim in Egypt for 116 years. And during that time, yes, we did have other foods. We had fish. We had veggies. Okay, it was the leftover fish that they threw to us and it wasn't the best veggies. But we had that. But the staple was matzah. That was the food that we ate, which was our main sustenance. So the matzah reminds us of the slavery. When we toiled, when we built, when we crafted, when we were tormented, all of that matzah reminds us of. Then you've got the matzah that we left Mitzrayim with. We left Mitzrayim with a few matzahs that didn't have time to rise and they baked on our backs. Baked from the sun. How good can that taste? But that's what we left Mitzrayim with. So it reminds us of the freedom. And then there was the matzah that we had on the night of the death of the firstborn. Where we all sat in our homes. We were banned from leaving outside. And we sat and we had from the Corbin Pesach, the goat or sheep. We had moral, the bitter herbs. And we had matzah. And in fact, when we left Egypt, we also took with those leftovers. So we didn't just leave with the matzahs that we carried out that didn't have time to rise, but we also took leftovers in our bags because we had such love for the mitzvah. So perhaps we can suggest that the three matzahs on Seder night represent the three different matzahs that we ate in Egypt. The matzah of slavery, the matzah of freedom, the matzah of mitzvah. And that night when we did the matzah of mitzvah and we had this, the, the death of the firstborn and we ate from the Korban Pesach, that was a night where we dedicated ourselves to serving God only. We killed the gods of the Egyptians and we had only HaKadosh Baruch Hu and us. Now, in our parsha, when we are laid down with the mitzvah to eat matzah, this mitzvah that was given to us here. It's not just to eat the food. It's also to think about it. Chazal tell us that with every mitzvah, there's something called the Tama mitzvah. Now, if you ever go to a restaurant in Israel and you want to compliment the restaurant that the food's good, you say Zetaim. It's tasty. Similarly, the taste of the mitzvah is what? is an idea behind it. It's not the main. If you just eat taste, you're not going to live. But it makes it palatable. makes it sweet. 
makes it enjoyable for you. It's the taste of the mitzvah. And therefore these ideas are supposed to make an imprint into ourselves for this tremendous mitzvah that the Torah is giving us in this week's parasha. How does this relate to us now? And how are we going to vanquish our enemies through this? So, to give an introduction, you have to know one thing. Our rabbis tell us many times the following language. If you do this, you will merit a share in the next world. If you say, in Kaddish with all your strength, you'll get the next world. If a person says, in Ashray, where it says, Hashem, you open your hand and you provide for every living being, you'll get Olam Abba. Well, here's the rule. There is no instance in Yiddishkeit. You can't just say something, do something, tick the box, and voila, you're going to get whatever you want. But you have to put in effort. It's got to make an imprint on you. You've got to think a little bit about it. Your mind has got to be pondering over it. You've got to open your heart a bit. Without the effort, you're not going to get all that the chazal, the rabbis promise us. So importantly, whenever we approach anything, there has to be an effort. How does that affect anything? So our rabbis tell us that the way we got out of Egypt was by way of mitzvahs. Number one, the Jewish people cried out in tefillah, says the Ramban that got us out of Egypt. Number two, the Chsam Soifer says when the Jews were caring for each other in a way of kindness, in a tremendous way, that got us out of Egypt. Number three, when we slaughtered the Egyptian god, the sheep, goat, and we ate it, knowing that the Egyptians could very well come and hurt us, and they got angry at us, that gave us merit. When we didn't leave our homes in the night of death of the firstborn, you hear what's going on outside, you're intrigued, you're curious, but Hashem said, stay, you stay. And furthermore, we left Mitzrayim with crackers in our hands, going into the desert. That also gave us merit to be able to go out. Ah, oh, but wasn't Moshe's charismatic leadership? No, it wasn't. He stuttered. He wasn't a charismatic leader. He was the greatest person that lived. But spiritually, that's how we got out of Egypt. And we know that just like the first redemption will be the future one as well. Now let's go to here. The first matzah is the matzah of slavery. The matzah that reminds us of what it was like to be denied things. What is the point of eating that? Two points. Number one, you're reminding yourself of the gratitude that you should have now that you do have. And number two, you're recognizing that's also from God Almighty. It's from Him as well. When we look at the situation today, and we look at what's going on, the hatred that is spewing towards us, the death toll, the brutality, everything that's taken place, the deception. First of all, stop and say, thank you, Hashem, for the time before this, when I experienced freedoms, that I don't have today. When I could be in South Africa and not hear the government 
making statements all the time against Jews and not having them take away the cricket captain of the under-18s because he dared support Israel. Appreciate the life before October 7th, number one. Number two, we have to know that October 7th also comes from a Kaddish Baruch. And we see this in the Seder, specifically because when we had a temple, we used to eat, says Hillel, the Korban Pesach, the sacrificial lamb, the Matzah, and the moral together. Why all together? It's opposites. Because you've got to know that the bitterness of the moral also comes from God. Just like the sacrificial lamb did in the matzah we left it. It also comes from God. When you recognize it's from Him, that also means that you're saying, Hashem, I am hearing your call. Like Rav Noach Isaac Albam said, there was an enormous shofar blast that took place on October 7th. And that was a, a means of stirring us, waking us up. So that's another idea behind that. So this, the mats of slavery, if we think and recognize today, that just like we do then and we do on Pesach, we've got to know it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu who's giving it all to us now. And thank you, Hashem, for when we didn't have these restrictions, hatreds, etc., that we are experiencing today. I want to share with you on that point fascinating insight that someone shared. I don't know who said this, but it's the first line that really struck me. We know that the chant of our enemies is, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Which is a very uh, catchy line that they're using to declare to the world that we've got no right to Eretz Israel. However, there's a principle. Everything that goes on, and even the words of our enemies, are there as a lesson for us. Because the Jewish people are the nation of God and we are the center. We're the purpose of creation. So what's the lesson for us when we hear the river to the sea? So you'll say to me, what do you mean? It's just a stupid chant that they make. No. Rav Hanan asked the question why we had the most ridiculous claim on us for generations. Why we were accused of putting blood in matzahs. And he gives an idea behind that. So what's the idea of the river to the sea? Perhaps. Perhaps. Where is a river and a sea? What does that symbolize in the history of our nation? Look in these parishes. The river was the Nile that turned to blood, the first plague. And the sea was the splitting of the sea, the destruction of the enemies. Perhaps HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying to us, My people, my children, I love you. Come to me. And we're going to go through that process. We're going to have the plagues all the way to the splitting of the sea and the drowning of our enemies. Please God soon. That perhaps is the idea for us. Hashem is knocking on our door and He's saying, I'm here, but I need you to come towards me. And then I can actualize what you've been waiting for for so long. Yes, from the river to the sea. But not Palestine will be free. The Jewish people will be free. Perhaps that should be our motto and our chant. The second matzah, the matzah of leaving Egypt. Chazal tell us something very interesting. The question was asked from Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem, say Chazal. How is it possible to lead this entire nation into the desert? 
What are they going to eat? How are they going to be supplied? So you'll say to me, Hashem can't provide. Moshe was asking, in what way are you going to do that? Are they going to merit enormous miracles? Hashem responds with fascinating words. He says, I'm going to send them out with hararas, with like crackers. And that will sustain them. And you will see how I am towards my people. Now let's look at this a minute. Hashem could have decided when we left Mitzrayim to just suddenly drop into our hands the most amazing delicacies and take us out. He didn't. He gave us matzahs baked on our backs and then later gave us the man that fell. He didn't give us hordes of delicacies. Yes, it could taste like different things. But he didn't provide for us and sustain us in that way. We provided more quantitatively, but rather he provided something small that doesn't seem to work and that amazingly provided for us. What's the idea? So one idea is, is that a person makes a mistake when he looks at, for example, his finances. He looks at his possessions. He thinks, I don't have enough. No. HaKadosh Baruch said, with my nation, I'm going to give you a small quantity, but I'm going to bless it, that it's going to continue. In fact, in Parshas Akev, when we talk about the blessings of the future, Hashem says, I'm going to give you a little bit of food, and you're going to get full. A little bit of food, and you're going to get full. Because I want to show you that whatever you have, I can make last. Whatever you have, I will provide as a stimulus for you. People are turning around and saying, how is it possible? We don't have the numbers. We haven't got the finances. How are we honestly going to carry on and defeat them? And we're subject to Biden who's now having second thoughts and whatever. The answer is, it's not about quantity. It's not about numbers. It's not about amounts. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has the power to do everything with the smallest amounts. Anyone who studied modern history can see that. How tiny little Israel that virtually doesn't even appear on the map. HaKadosh Baruch Hu protects from hundreds of millions of people who have just one thing in mind, to wipe us off the face of the earth. This is the gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Klau Israel. It's not going to be with numbers. It's going to be with brocha from me. If we remember that matzah, then when we turn to the situation now, we don't daven to Hashem for bigger armies. No. We daven to Hashem that He should destroy our enemies and make a pathway for us to be successful. The third matzah is the matzah of mitzvah. And that mitzvah that we did and we ate that was brave. To eat that matzah on that night, knowing that the Egyptians hated us and resented us and wanted to kill us for eating their meat. And we sat and we ate that meat, we had that matzah. And the whole atmosphere was an atmosphere of serving God. In fact, for that night in Egypt, we had to have our belts tied. We had to have our shoes on. We had to have our sticks in our hands. Because we had to seem ready to leave at any single minute. Because we had an imuna, a trust in Hashem, that He's taking us out. This is what they call the matzah of imuna, the Zohar says. It's the matzah of trust in God. It's the matzah of serving God. We take this matzah and apply it today. It's not always easy at the moment to be able to serve our Kaddish Baruch Why? 
Because wherever we are, when we're around, people are antagonistic. People are not looking necessary to show that they're Jewish because they worried what's going to be, you know, how are the other people going to relate to us. But if we realize that we're going to serve God wherever he is and proudly, that itself provides a merit. I'll tell you what happened to me now. I was away in a place called Dahlstrom. It's up north of Johannesburg, a couple of hours away, lovely place. Get to the place, Baruch Hashem. I'm there. Even if I wanted to, I can't exactly hide that I'm Jewish. You know, the rabbi dresses like the rabbi. He's got his beard, you know. And what was interesting is that there was another Jewish family there, but they were very undercover. Very undercover. Right? They didn't show so much that they were Jewish. But for me, it was very clear that, uh, you know, they could see. And my wife had a fascinating thing that happened. The lady in charge of the place, the manageress who owns the place, came to her and said, look, never done this before, but would it be possible to experience your Sabbath? I thought, that's interesting. So she said, sure, speak to my husband. And I came to her and she said, look, I'm a bit embarrassed. You know, didn't think to ask. You know, I've never invited myself before and it doesn't have to be your whole meal, but I just want to see. I said, sure, come Friday night. So she says, and she explains why she wants to. She says, you know, she's Christian. She grew up in the Dutch Reformed Church, but she's moved a little bit away from that. And she believes that you have to keep the Sabbath as the Torah says. The Torah says you keep Sabbath on Saturday, not Sunday. Where does it come from, Sunday? And she wants to see how we keep it. I said, sure. So she came to the house. And the joke was, of course, is that, you know, when you have a guest on holiday, all the children behave now. <laughs> she saw my oldest son, Akeva, and she went up to him to try and give him a hug. He quite uh, politely explained why uh, he can't give a hug. And uh, I also explained she was absolutely fine with it. And she sat and she watched. She watched with Shalom Aleichem, Eshizchayel, Kiddush, you know, the Hamoitzi. She says she also makes bread. And she experienced a bit, and then after around soup, she said, no, that's okay, I don't have to stay. And she went back. And I can tell you something unbelievable that I saw over there. You know what I saw? She had a tremendous respect, and she wanted to know, and her words were, she's Christian, she's not Jewish, but she says, many Christians are, and I quote, waking up. They're waking up. So a lot of stuff that we've got, she said, comes from this and uh, that. It's not from God. And I was quite amazed to see this and to see the respect and to see the interest that took place. And I want to say one thing. When we stand up as Jews and we show ourselves as Jews, proudly to be Jews, that earns respect. I never dreamt that Hashem would send me. It's the first Shabbos I've been away, probably in about 15 years. Who knows how long? I never go away for Shabbos. Happened to be this time that I didn't have a choice because of the, the dates. And Akadosh Baruch Hu sent a message for me that I've got to be more Jewish. Sounds crazy. What do you mean more Jewish? Yes, I've got to be more open as a servant of God. Because when you're a servant of God, 
You're giving, you're giving uh, an accolade to Hashem. You're wearing his badge and you're showing a pride. And that itself shows something, depicts something. And, it's a, and that's that pride which I believe is so critical for today. So there are three matzahs and there are three ideas. There's the matz of slavery. We've got to know that just like that, slavery was from God. But appreciating when we weren't slaves. October 7th is also from God. We've got to appreciate we didn't have October 7th. The matz of freedom. We've got to know that HaKadosh Baruch was the one who can take us out. And we don't need numbers. It can just be small amounts. And Hashem says, I will make that last and blossom. And the matz of mitzvah that we had that night. And we need to hold that precious to ourselves. To serve God. To serve God with emunah, with trust. And like the Yalkut Shemoni says, in the merit of emunah, trust in God, we were redeemed from its rhyme. In the merit of emunah, in the future, we will also be redeemed from this slavery. As the doors seem to close around us from the world, we have to know Kodesh Baruch is bringing us closer to Him. I want to tell you something interesting to end off. I have a friend of mine who's a doctor and he's worked for many, many years with a certain Muslim doctor. Very close friends. From October 7th, the doctor will not make eye contact with him. There's another doctor in Joburg who's worked 35 years with Muslim doctors and other doctors. None of them will make eye contact with him. There was a boy in a school of multiple different nationalities who was always happy. Non-Jewish school. And then what happened? From October 7th, he got whispered in his ear, free Palestine, free Palestine, anti-Semitic comments, to the point that he turned to his parents and said, I want to go to a Jewish school. HaKadosh Baruch is calling to us. And like Reb Chaim Velozhin used to say, we either make Kiddush, we either sanctify ourselves, or the Goyim come and tell us, you're a Jew, you're different. We'll make Havdola. HaKadosh Baruch should bless us with strength with strength, and hold those matzahs. Okay, we're not there yet, but let's already hold it in our minds. And may our Kodesh Baruch bless us with success, blessing, health, and ultimate victory. Okay, with Gazunt, Rocha to everyone. We should only know Simchas, and if anyone